0: From VT Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is the Deeper Dig. This week, skyrocketing unemployment claims show that nearly 15,000 Vermonters have already lost their jobs due to business cutbacks during the coronavirus outbreak. So, what happens next for those workers and for the state's economy? Hey, Mike. Hey, Brennan, how's it going? Uh going all right. Brennan Neal lives in Burlington. He's one of the 14,784 Vermonters who filed for unemployment last week. As of a couple of weeks ago, what did you do for work?
1: I was the associate director of individual giving at the Flynn. Okay. With the whole COVID-19 thing popping up and us monitoring it, you know, bit by bit as it as it progressed, it became aware, you know, apparent to us that there was no way uh that we'd be able to continue uh with our season. So uh it was a couple of weeks ago that the Flynn decided to cancel the remainder of the season which caused a you know really significant impact to the Flynn in terms of revenue. Right. The Flynn exists as a nonprofit, you know, the revenue comes from two different streams. It comes from contributed revenue, you know, which is what, you know, donors and local businesses do and foundations, you know, to support the Flynn, but also through earned revenue, which is ticket sales. So it impacted us greatly. Um, we knew it was the only thing that we could possibly do, but then, you know, once that happened, you know, there was real concern about, well, well, what happens next? So, um, I think it's pretty much public knowledge what had happened, you know, about a week ago, we had a a big round of layoffs, uh, and furloughs. And unfortunately I was, I was caught up in that. and I was one of them.
0: how did you actually find out that you lost your job?
1: I mean, it was, I I walked in Thursday morning, last Thursday morning, a week ago, 8 a.m. to my office. I normally arrive there right at 8. And, uh, you know, our interim executive director and our human resources director were there. And I I knew at that point. I mean, it was surprising, but it wasn't surprising. And uh, just an, an unfortunate, unfortunate set of circumstances, I guess.
0: Yeah. So what happened next? What was your first move?
1: First move, uh, you know, I packed up my office and I said goodbye to the people that were left behind and uh, headed home. And the first thing I did was I was I called Vermont unemployment. I actually I actually called uh, because I had questions about you know I you know since I was laid off and I wasn't furloughed and. I just had a, I had a couple questions. I looked at the online form, but I had questions, and I got to tell you, I was, I was blown away that I, I picked up the phone, and I called that number for the first-time filers, and uh, it, like on the second ring, someone answered. Wow. It was great. Since then, you know, in, the, in the week since, you know, I've gotten a couple of emails from unemployment saying that you know, things are backlogged, and you're not going to be getting anything for a bit. I don't know how long that's going to be. I'm kind of in that holding pattern.
0: Got it. So what happens next? What's your outlook for the next couple weeks, couple months?
1: Well, let me tell you this, is that, uh, you know, I got laid off last Thursday and my wife um, was furloughed from her job yesterday. Oh, wow. So now you have my wife, you have me, and we have no real source of income right now. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a real concern. And my wife filed for unemployment through, you know, through the online portal yesterday. But now we just kind of wait and see, you know, we've heard a lot of things about the bill that that's, that's moving through Congress and what that'll mean to us. And, you know, does that mean 1200 for each of us and then 500 for our daughter? And maybe that's coming in a few weeks. I don't know. And then that's another thing, Mike, is that I don't really even know how much um, we will get once, you know, per week, once we do get the, uh, you know, the unemployment. So, but the hardest thing for me is look, it's, you know, I worked for six years at a place I loved and I I believe so passionately in the mission of what the Flynn does. It's hard enough to say goodbye to that. But to then, you know, be in a situation where you're one of a, a, a record number of unemployed people filing, what was it, 14,000 or I don't know what it was this past week, you have this a massive pool of people that are out of work that, that want to work. And no one's hiring. You have, you know, the shelter in place situation where only essential businesses are operating. My natural inclination, Mike, is to hit the ground running, find work. I don't care what it is. And to support my family. But I have to wait to hear from the state, you know, first and foremost, how much am I even going to get? Because I think the worst thing for me would be potentially, you know, going and, and just taking anything, even, you know, close to minimum wage or whatever it is to get an income. And then that comp- would blow up my unemployment benefits. But the, the hard part for me is I don't even know specifically what those unemployment benefits are. So I'm kind of in a, an awkward holding pattern.
0: Brennan knows he's not alone. The State Labor Department has said those roughly 15,000 unemployment claims make for an all-time record. Our columnist Art Wolf was an economist at UVM, and he says that the spike in claims shows just how many different sectors of our economy are affected.
2: It doesn't tell us anything we didn't know, generally speaking, that there's lots of businesses that initially shut down because they were told they had to. You know, restaurants and bars are the prime example. Other businesses that we knew were really hard hit, like hotels mm-hmm. and laying off you know, lots of people. And what we didn't know as much about was how many other businesses were either closing or significantly reducing their staff. And, and a lot of that is retail, mm. uh, you know, people trying to avoid each other. So that was last week, which is an eternity ago
0: <laughs>
2: and and this week it's you know the governor just made his announcement two days ago or whatever that's effective yesterday at five o'clock. you know all non-essential activities have to be stopped. You can do it remotely, but you know there's a lot of businesses that can't do that for everybody right. so that tells us that this whole process of people getting notified that they don't have a job. Roughly, it started last week, it's continuing this week, and it'll probably spill over into next week.
0: Art said this new number, what he calls the initial claims, is only the first signal about how deep this crisis is going to cut.
2: Then what happens, we get a a slowdown in the number of people who are going into the unemployment office and saying, I got laid off, I I, um, want to know if I'm covered. But then what you have is kind of the accumulation of all these people that have gone to the unemployment office and probably most of them, the determination is going to be, yes, you are eligible because you know you, you did get laid off and, and plus all the, the expansion in benefits that was just passed by the federal government. So number one, it covers more people and number two, it's more money. Mm-hmm. that's called continued claims. So these are people who have had a determination that they are eligible. They got unemployment last week. They're getting it this week. They're going to get it next week. So so every week we don't just monitor the count, how many people are walking into the office asking if they're eligible, but they also count how many people are actually getting a check.
0: Got it. I'm curious, how do all of these eligible claims get paid? Like, does our unemployment insurance system have a capacity that we're going to run up against?
2: Yeah, um, just to give you a sense, at the beginning of the Great Recession, so in roughly 2007, I think there was about $250, 300000000 million in that fund. Mm-hmm. And by the end of 2009 or so, maybe it was early 2010, I'm not quite sure when, but it went down below zero. And part of the Obama stimulus bill, I think, was to replenish that, or the, it allowed the states to essentially borrow money from the federal government. And we borrowed, I don't know, $30, $40, 50000000 million, something like that, and, and gradually paid it back. And so by today, 10 years later, we're up to about $400 million.
0: Art asked me to double-check this number after we talked, and it's actually closer to $500 million. But his point is that it's there for the time being, probably a matter of months, and then the state has to borrow from the federal government again.
2: I guess worst-case scenario, ignoring obviously death and health issues and just looking at at this one part of it, worst-case scenario is if this thing lasts for several months, the federal government is going to have to continue pumping huge amounts of money into the economy and into things like unemployment insurance. So my sense is that they're probably will be federal programs to deal with a, a really worst case type scenario to help individuals. But can, the federal government cannot bail out everybody forever. Right? So I mean, this, the federal government can't, can't uh, give people that kind of money every week if this thing lasts for a year. Right. I, I don't think anybody expects it to. But I do expect, and you've already seen, they're already talking about another trillion dollar, or $2 trillion dollar bill, you know, within the next few weeks. So I think from the state's perspective, the unemployment insurance issue is not one of the most dire things they should be thinking about, simply because the federal government is uh, dealing with that issue. Got it.
0: We have to take a quick break. When we come back, what all this means for people who are already on the margins Just a quick message from our underwriters. Casella Waste Systems provides waste and recycling services for homes, businesses, and organizations throughout Vermont and the Northeast. With a focus on recycling sustainability and environmental protection, Casella ensures that proper collection, renewal, and disposal of discarded materials keep our communities clean while extending the value of your unwanted items. Fun fact, last year, Casella recovered over 2.4 billion pounds of recyclables. To learn more, visit Casella.com or call 1-800-CASElla. Hi. Hi, Elaine.
3: Yeah, can you see me?
0: I can't see you yet.
3: Okay, hold on. Um, start video. That would explain why you can't.
0: Earlier this You're week, wrong? I caught up on Zoom, obviously, with Elaine McCrate, another economist retired from UVM who specializes in low-wage workers. Elaine said, We're seeing this spike in part because there's a huge sector of Vermont's workforce that can't work remotely under the new orders.
3: Those kind of people are going to be people in direct services, um, which includes a lot of healthcare workers, a lot of grocery store workers. And it's going to be people in manufacturing who actually have to be there in order for things to happen. And I imagine a lot of them, because they, under the terms of the governor's order, or even before that, if they Wanted to do the wise thing, many of them will be more or less stuck at home and they won't be able to work. And if you're paid by the hour, you're not going to be paid either. Or if you're a gig worker, you're not going to be paid.
0: Elaine said for a lot of these workers, unemployment may not even be an option.
3: For people who merely lose hours as opposed to jobs, it's always difficult for them to access social insurance programs because. You have to be able to describe what you're losing, and it's not a job. It's a few hours a week that help pay the electric bill.
0: Right. There's no such thing as underemployment insurance.
3: No, there's not. And there's a lot of that going on uh, with people who are paid by the hour, Hmm. uh, part-time workers in particular.
0: I'm curious, when you're looking at situations like this and looking at the the responses being taken at the state and the federal level, what do you use as a precedent for a disruption to the workforce that is this serious, a, a spike in unemployment that's that large?
3: Well, uh, it's partly that it's large and sudden. But large and sudden happened in 2008 too. Hmm. It's, it's partially the origins of it. Normally, you know, so for example, in 2008, if anybody had been washing carefully, they would have known that there were cracks and there were vulnerabilities. And I assume that, you know, we still have cracks and vulnerabilities, but this wasn't coming primarily from the cracks and vulnerabilities. This was coming from, you know, a pandemic in China. And we're more vulnerable to something like this because we were so poorly prepared to cope with the health problem. And, you know, a lot of people are just at the edge in ways that may not have been true in, I don't know, let's say 1970. What makes it different is increasing growth of underlying fragility and just this out-of-the-blue sort of nature of the disruption, which is going to require a massive public health mobilization in the very short term. And the longer term, you would like to address some of the the underlying economic vulnerabilities, too. Where do those
0: vulnerabilities, that fragility, where does all that come from? Like, what are the structural issues that you're referring to here?
3: Oh, you know, so for example, the part-time workers who are paid by the hour, who never know how many hours per week they're going to work, or the people who, if they quit a job at McDonald's in some cities, for example, they would realize that they had signed a non-compete agreement so that they wouldn't be able to take a similar job at Burger King. Something like 20% of workers are subject to these non-compete agreements now across the country which means it's very difficult to go around and shop your skills and try to find a better deal for yourself. A big part of it is that workers are not protected, the decline of unions in the 70s and the 80s. A lot of the fragility is coming from the very, very low margins that people have to keep in the face of international competition. There are other firms that have sky-high markups right now. As a matter of fact, the aggregate markup rate has, has increased dramatically over the last 30 years. But a lot of other small businesses are, you know, really on the edge. And the safety nets have been kind of shredded so that if you lose a job or you lose hours or you're having trouble keeping your business afloat, there are not as many alternatives as there used to be.
0: So I'm curious where that leaves a worker who's being affected by all these systemic forces right now in the midst of this crisis. And, you know, maybe even if they get some kind of new access to unemployment, what if that doesn't pay all their bills? Like, where, where does that leave someone in that situation right now?
3: If it doesn't pay all their bills, you would hope that the people they owe money to would say, okay, you know, we're going to forgive debts for a little while. If you have a car loan, or if you just bought a truck or something, or if you if you have a mortgage, uh, hopefully they would say, okay, you know, we'll give you a grace period. We understand things are kind of rough right now, and it's not nobody's fault. So hopefully they would give you a grace period. But if they don't, call your brother, call your dad, call your mom, you know. And if that doesn't work, then I don't know what you're going to do.
0: Brennan, the Flynn staffer who got laid off last week, said one of the worst parts of this process for him was not even knowing when he would get the information that would help him plan his next move.
1: You know, the the woman who was wonderful, um, who took who filed my claim on the phone, she was, she was just so great. But... She said she didn't know that, you know, that like that her role was just basically to take, you know, to take the information and that I would be receiving an eligibility letter, I think, you know, and it would say, you know, we're, you know are you eligible for unemployment, which I would expect I would be, and then also what you would expect to receive per week and et cetera, et cetera. But I haven't, re- I haven't gotten anything and I know that there's a huge backlog, obviously that's why, but it's been a week and I, I haven't heard anything.
0: Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear what you're going through. I, I think that sounds incredibly stressful. It is. What are your obligations like? I mean, what are you most worried about in terms of being able to pay bills and provide for your family that sort of thing oh
1: hundred uh, percent yeah i mean the, the first and foremost is the mortgage on the house we 've already reached out to our lender um, to ask you know if there's any sort of uh, flexibility you know in terms of at least what the interest rate is like if there's you know, if there's a way that they could subsidize, you know, or waive temporarily or whatever it is, you know, the, the interest that we'd be paying to to reduce, you know, our monthly payment. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, aside from that, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a matter of looking at every single area of our, you know, of our budget and saying like, well, where can we trim back? Where can we trim back? Where can we trim back? And again, without even knowing what what the amount is going to be, it's uh, it's hard. And I think also knowing that this is going to be the situation for a while, because I, I I don't think I'm really like a lot of people. I, I don't think really a lot of us who are out of work are really going to be able to find you know some sort of steady, reliable work for for quite a while. It's just kind of getting used to it for now. But I don't even know what to get used to, Mike, because I don't even know what I'm going to be getting or when.
0: And in the meantime, you're just kind of checking your mailbox every day for that letter.
1: Yeah, uh that's basically it is looking for that eligibility letter and you know what are we going to get and when will we expect to get it and yeah so th- there's there's a lot of questions. I mean, I'll tell you this. I'm you know, I'm grateful for anything, you know, to lose your job and you know, have a daughter and have a house and and all of that, but both of us lost our jobs. So I'm certainly grateful that there's some sort of social net to help, but it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight for a lot of people, but um, hopefully I'll find out news soon on that. So at least I can, I know what I'm, what I'm facing.
0: Got it. Well, thanks for giving me the rundown, Brennan, and uh, good luck to you. I, I hope it comes through and I hope you, uh, you know, are able to get what you need.
1: Yeah, me too, man. Uh, maybe I'll let you know in a week if
0: I haven't heard anything. <laughs> well, thanks again and good luck. Thanks, Mike. At VT Digger, we've launched a special site with all our coronavirus coverage at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. It includes a tracker with the latest statistics straight from the health department and includes links to the latest resources and recommendations from state and federal health authorities, plus all of our recent full stories and a live blog of other quick updates related to the outbreak. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.